You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Well, hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I am joined by my two co-hosts, and Joe Curtis is back co-hosting with us from last week. Joe, it's great to have you. Thank you. Peace be. I sat down in a chair, and I wasn't going to give it up. (laughs) (laughs) You you weren't going to give it up. And then, obviously, my co-host from the very beginning— Matt Shiles. Matt? Episode three on. Ep, epi, oh, that's right. Episode three on because we, we – We call uh, that the beginning. We, we call – yeah, definitely the beginning. But we are back for part two. And so part two was the – or part two is the follow-up from the message that I gave on Mary and Elizabeth and community that for your surprise callings, you will need a support community. And then we're going to talk a little bit in depth, too, about Mary's Magnificat that Pastor Derwin, he unpacked this past week. And so, Matt, I'll turn it over to you. Wonderful. So so as a reminder, that uh, that message on community a couple weeks ago, the main point was surprise callings require a support community. And in part one, we we really looked at and unpacked uh, the first two questions, why do you need community and where do you find such community? So if you haven't listened to that, we'd encourage you to to start there. Um, But what we're going to do now is we're going to pick up at the third question, and that is what does community look like? And that's in practice. So the uh, the four subpoints of that question was a biblical community receives you as you are and invites you into your life. Biblical community is where the spirit is present. Uh, biblical community is where the elevation happens. You like that one a lot, Pastor Josh. <laughs> uh, biblical community celebrates and affirms the demonstrated faith. And finally, biblical community is where shared life happens. So the question and my first comment is, is not all community is created equal. Mm. We talked about this a little bit in part one, but the world creates all sorts of communities. They they go after creating community in all sorts of ways. And, and I think it's bec- it's really looking at that felt need that we all have, that we all need community. So my question is, is true community we're talking about, is that possible when it's not based in biblical principles? It is. I mean, I, I actually I mean, do believe it is. I mean, I think one of the, the greatest examples, non, you know, in some sense, non-biblical community examples is a gang. Mm. I mean, so I do think that that in some sense biblical community outside of the biblical kind of def, you know in some sense let's say defined areas right. and you you know i think it is um, i think it is possible now i mean but but you know if you uh, i mean again like there's there's elements too, but I, I do think it, it is possible to, in some sense, embody biblical community outside of 
Well, I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I, well, I keep on saying biblical community because you asked me, can community happen? Yeah, well. Or did you say biblical I would community? Say, I said I tripped you up. I said true community. Yeah, you said true community so yeah. and not biblical community. Yeah. So obviously biblical community cannot out, cannot happen because outside the biblical confines of what it, what constitutes biblical community. Because the spirit wouldn't be there. But I think what you're getting at is is everything else. Yeah, right. I mean, can can you receive people now? Yeah, I mean, because I mean, it's, I mean, I, it's I'm sure people. It example. is fascinating because because there is something to that community. There's a reason why people enter into it, and there's such a you know, there's a covenant nature to it. Yeah. There's there a, is a covenant nature to it, and there is a stickiness to it, and um, you know, it comes from people's felt needs of community. So, yeah. I was not expecting that answer. Well, no, well, no. Yeah, well, because because here's the thing. Like, I want to be. I really want to be as honest as I possibly can with the world. Like, because I've, I've I've heard people say you can't have a you can't have a good marriage outside of Jesus. I, yeah, you can. And there's a lot of people that do. Mm. But can you have a marriage that glorifies God outside of Christ? No. And you were right. created to glorify. God, based upon the scriptures, is that you were created in the Imago Day. One of the reasons why that you want to get married and you got married is be- because marriage at its core is the most foundational relationship that reflects the kind of relationship that God created us for. Mm. So can you have a good marriage? Can you have a successful marriage outside of Jesus? Yes, you can. Can you have a God-glorifying marriage outside of Jesus? No, you can't. So I think sometimes we ask the wrong questions. Not saying that you ask That's the wrong good. questions, yeah. but you ask, can can you have true community um, you, you, like outside of Jesus? Well, I, I think you can to when you build out these characteristics. But can you have biblical community? Absolutely not. And- I, I think that's a that's a great point. I hadn't even considered that. But sometimes are are we asking the right questions? And 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 what I would say to that is let us not settle for too small a view of community. Right? Are we just looking for good community, true community? Are we looking for community that ultimately honors God? Because I would actually say biblical community actually seeks to enhance the the common community in which in which it lives. Yeah. Not every community does that. Because they always seek out what benefits their community. See, what biblical community actually does, which is that's why that missional functional element of why you need community, is that if you really do embody biblical community, it is always all it is always going to also be outward facing and not just internal facing. Yes. So you have the internal element where you're being shaped and molded more into the image of Jesus, but is always for Christ's mission, God's mission in the world, uh, which is the advancement of the good news, the good news that King Jesus has come to make all things new, and he's made that possible through his death and resurrection. And so so that biblical community is always going to have that outward-facing dimension, and, I, and not every community out there has an outward-facing dimension. Mm. And the example, you know, you you brought up before some examples at the beginning of part one of what Hollywood shows. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are a lot of communities. Yes, there are some that's okay for the better good of all. You know, we talk about the superheroes and stuff. But then you see examples of mm-hmm. communities that they're just trying to build up their community better than other communities. So yeah. you truly can, can see that. Mm-hmm. So, um 
we've touched on even part one and right here of talking about what does a community look like, and especially uh, Matt read a lot when we were uh, discussing the the principles of what does a community look like in practice when it deals with the biblical. Before we go on to what happens when we find, is there anything you want to kind of close that point? Uh, we, we we hit it a lot. I just want to make sure yeah. I didn't miss anything. Of what what does community look what like in practice? In practice, okay. yeah. So I'm going to give you a whole list, and I found this uh, list in an article. Wait, you have more content for us? <laughs> I am shocked. More, more content. Yeah, here we go. Uh, so through, throughout the New Testament, uh, we actually see – uh, and, and again, those those five elements. If you want to even break them down more, this list would, in some sense, fit into you know any one of these categories. Okay. But I'll give them to you, and I'll give you the scripture reference. Okay. So, community is where we accept one another. Romans fifteen seven. Community is where we admonish one another, and that's Col- uh, uh, Colossians three sixteen. Community is where we are devoted to one another, and that's Romans twelve ten. Community is where we are honest with one another, and that's Colossians 3.9. Community is where we are kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians 4.32. Community is where we are of the same mind with one another, Romans 12.16. Community is where we bear one another's burdens, which we talked about last week of just bearing uh, uh, with one another, and that's Ephesians 4, Hmm. verse 2. Community is where we build up one another. And that's 1 Thessalonians 5.11, where we care for one another, 1 Corinthians 12.25, where we comfort one another, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, where we actually confess sins to one another, James 5.16, where we exhort one another. So that's that strong exhortation like, hey, you might want to pay attention to, to, to this. And that's Hebrews 3.13, where we fellowship with one another, 1 John 1.7, where we forgive one another, Ephesians 4.32, where we greet one another, 2 Corinthians 13.12, where we honor one another above ourselves, Romans 12.10, where we instruct one another, Romans 15.14, where we love one another, John 13.34 and Romans 13.8, where we offer hospitality to one another. And we talked about receiving people as they are, inviting them into your life. Life. And so that could be found in 1 Peter 4, 9, praying for one another, James 5, 16, pursuing peace and building up one another, Romans 14, 19, serving one another, Galatians 5, 13, and spurring on one another to love and good deeds, Hebrews 10, 24, and even submitting to one another, in some sense deferring to one another, mm-hmm. Ephesians 5, 21. So those are, those are all of the more specific elements of what does community, what does biblical community wow. look like? Now, when you look at all of those broken up, okay, and, and then now you add, can can community be found in some sense, in some sense, true biblical community, can it be found outside the Bible? No, because there's a lot there that I don't think happens in every other community outside the church, That's or what list. the church should be. That is wonderful. That's a list right there. Yes, it is. And then the paradox, again, we mentioned where it helps you and serves you, but you're really not serving yourself. Mm. You're serving Jesus, which serves others who are 
actually serving you. You know, it's a it's a whole turn and it's a, such a fulfillment in all because it's all about Jesus, not about one particular person or even the community itself. Yeah, if it yeah. goes back to I think it was Iron Faith where I talked I think it was Iron Faith where I talked about about this concept, but we are to out or maybe it was Ruth. I can't remember. It was one of those series. But where we ought to outdo one another in service. And so in, in communities outside the church, in, in, in some sense, there, there is a mindset in our culture, what's the community going to do for me, rather than what can I do for the community? You see, in biblical community, you're entering in and going, hey, what can I do for you, as opposed to what's the community going to do for me? And that, that is a big shift when I say culturally and genera- generationally that has happened over the last several Decades, because I do think that there was a cultural element. I mean, John F. Kennedy is the one who said it. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So there used to be this kind of mindset, but over time it has shifted now to one of entitlement that what are you going to do for me? What are you going to give me? And you know what? I'm not going to give very much back. I'm going to be more of like a leech. And so what, you you know, so what, what can I suck out of you? And so where biblical community is where each individual comes together and breathes life into the community and it becomes a community that flourishes because you have everybody breathing life rather than a handful of people trying to serve a, a larger group of people that is just sucking the life out. Yeah. And I, th- I think that's even that, that point of it's where elevation happens. Yes. Mm. So you are you are constantly deferring to one another and constantly elevating each other. Uh, honestly, I, I'm. It reminds me of the picture of the Trinity when you when you try to think and try to wrap your head around the mystery of the Trinity. That that's that's something that comes to my mind is is each of the um, three persons of the Trinity the mm. deferring and elevating, uh, elevating one another to. Um, you know, to their rightful status to be glorified. It, you know, at, when we are in community and when we are humbly submitting and deferring and elevating others, um, that honors God. Yeah. Well, and you, and you think about the, the Trinity, too, is that they understand their role and responsibility. And one of the, the you know, years ago, I did a whole study on the Trinity, and you have God the Father, and he has his role Mm. and responsibility, and then you have God the Son, he has his role and responsibility, and then you have the Holy Spirit, he has his role and responsibility. They all understand one another, and then obviously they defer to one another. Mm. You know, they they do elevate and they point to one another based upon their role and Mm. responsibility, but there is this also perfect love that exists within the Trinity, Mm. And and, and part of perfect love is also part of the idea of understanding your role and responsibility. And so when you look at community, I mean, then you really dive into, I mean, again, (laughs) you can do a whole series on community, but then you're looking at, all right, so now in my community, and so where the Spirit is present, elevate, you know, affirms and demonstrated where where shared life happens, and now – if you really wanted to go, okay, what, what's my role and responsibility within this community? Mm-hmm. And then you live out your role and responsibility. And that's where in the New Testament, Paul's going to talk about the body of Christ. And the body has many members, you, you know, that actually have different functions. And so, but you're, you're understanding what, what you're, you, you do and what other people do. And then together you work in harmony uh, to, and again, that goes back to role and responsibility. So it, that's great. Yeah. Wow. So now going into the next part, we've got like a, a two-part question, and 
the statement or the fourth point that we have is what happens when you find community? And we had talked about peace. B. You see what I just did there? <laughs> yes. That was quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was that? waiting. I think he was waiting. I don't know. It just came to me. So, yeah, <laughs> I love so people it. People didn't understand what happened. So Joe's uh, catchphrase, tagline is peace B. So he said peace and Pastor Josh awesome. said B. <laughs> I thought you were like saying there was a B in the room or something. I didn't no, know no, what no, was happening. No, no. No, I Sorry. caught it. I Sorry. caught it. No, no. I did yeah, catch yeah. it, but I was like, wow, okay. You got it. <laughs> All right, sorry. I no, Peace be. <laughs> Gosh, you know. But peace, yep. persistence, and praise. <laughs> so one of the questions here is that we have is that when we are in true biblical community, a statement that you made. Matter of fact, let me back up a little bit. I wanted to go into more detail, and you made this statement in 11. You said when we are in a community— we have the wealth of the entire community. Yeah. And I want to mention that because I don't uh I know you're not just meaning money, but it's the entire you know, kind of talk about we have the wealth of the entire community. Mm. Yeah, you have the cumulative wealth of you know who who they are, the the time that all of them have to give. Mm. You, you know, you think about the talents, the cumulative wealth there. And then you think about the treasure. I mean, think about the cumulative wealth of just Northland. You, you know, that what, you, you know, and, and that's one of the things that that you see with It's a Wonderful Life is that even though Mr. Potter is the one who basically ran and owned the town, you have all of these other people that cumulatively, they, they're coming and bringing. And then, and then thinking about what God, oh, I say, I mean, I'm using God, but but sovereignly, yes, God is in control, but I'm using the movie. But you think about Sam Wainwright. He was a good friend mm-hmm. of George Bailey growing up. Uh, he becomes this wealthy businessman, and that tele, you know, that telegram, twenty five thousand dollars. He only needed eight thousand, yeah. But he's like, we'll give you up to twenty five. I mean, thousand dollars at that, you know, in that context and in that day, that's a lot of money, lots of money. And so when you think about the cumulative wealth of that that community, mm-hmm. like that, that's what you that's what you have when you are truly in community. Mm-hmm. That's why, like you know, in twenty twenty four. Uh, we're 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 going to be reinstituting here at Northland Church membership because we want people to, in some sense, be able to declare this is my community, and that this is where I am contributing. This is the body that I want to belong to. This is the body that I want to care for me. And here's the thing: you have the commute, you have the cumulative wealth of Northland at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it is. It's, it's very sobering to think about that. But to even go back to the whole idea of peace, I was thinking of maybe even a, maybe a good analogy. I don't know if this is a good analogy, but it just came to my mind just a, a second ago when you were explaining it, Joe. So in the business world, you have CEOs that have these parachute clauses, mm-hmm. you know, or like uh, there. I think there was a comedian. 
that actually talked about college. I want to be a college football coach because I can stink at my job and still walk away and get paid, you know, good money. And so those are like parachute clauses in the sense of, so if I show up to the University of Florida and I get canned after two years because I didn't have a winning record, then they're going to pay me X amount of dollars, you know, for the next, you know, five, ten years or whatnot. Like, I think there's even Texas A&M right now. Like, I think the either I know at least the last coach or maybe even the, the two coaches are all, still on their payroll. Yeah, Jimbo you Fisher's going to be getting paid yeah. seventy five million over the next however yeah. many years so, to so, not do his job. So think about think about how much peace that that has with someone entering into that program. Mm. Biblical community mm. gives you that same kind of peace. Right. Mm. Knowing that I'm going to be all right, even if I'm not all right, hmm. does that make sense? So even if I'm not the coach of Texas A&M, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be at peace because there's in some sense there's no pressure on me to show up and to have this incredible performance because I have this safety clause. So think about Mary. Mary has this paradox of a calling. That I'm gonna I'm gonna bear the savior, but I know that everybody's not going to believe me. But I got Elizabeth. She believes me. She's gonna pray for me. She's going to support me. She's my parachute. And see, I think if we could see the church as our parachute, if we could see the church community that, hey, even when I'm not okay, I'm okay because I got a family. I got a support system. I got a community. They got my back. Mm-hmm. They're going to pray for me. Hey, listen, if I'm in the hospital, I, somebody's going to visit me. Hey, if somebody passes in my family, somebody's going to be next to me. If I lose my job, I like like I have a parachute. And, I, and now I'm preaching because I truly long, and I'm going to say I, and I usually try not to say I a lot, but this is something that has so, so been imprinted on my heart because I do believe that that it's not a small church thing. It's not a micro church thing. It's not a, like I don't see. I, I just have not come across that many churches that embody this kind of community where the church becomes the parachute. For people, mm-hmm. and so what we see, what we see in the New Testament, you see this in Acts chapter two, and we're going to unpack it in the new year of this idea of what does it mean to be engaged with the church. If there was a need in the New Testament church, then people sold their possessions and gave to anyone who 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 had need. I mean, talk about a parachute, talk about peace. That if something happened to me, I'm going to be I, the church is going to why? Because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are supposed to be embodying the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is where there is no poor, where there is no need, where the widow is taken care of, where the orphan has a family. I mean, you can go on and on and on. And so that's where, for me, like when you think about peace, that's what Mary had because Elizabeth came into her life. And so that's the goal. That's the goal of the church. If you really want what happens, what happens when you're in community, there's peace. Why? Because you know if the sky fell, the the church is going to make sure the sky doesn't fall on you. Amen. So, Amen. and I just the point. I, I love that. I love the preaching. You know, I, you know, I love when you <laughs> preach. But <laughs> the point that you brought, which I did not catch, was that Mary was at the door the whole time. <laughs> the parachute was there before she even entered the house. Yeah. Before the even the, I mean, the welcome was just like. Mm. 
Mm. I and just imagine Mary troubled, like you said, her life is mm. changed and getting ready to change, and yet this oak <laughs> yeah. says praise. Oh, like wow! Mm. What am I that you come and visit yeah. me? All right. So think about. So think about this, Joe. I didn't even. You know, I didn't even think about this in terms of how it could even apply to the church. So at the door, at the door. You know, again, I did say, but at the door, how does that apply? How could that apply here? That's the kind of instantaneously community that we want to create for people coming in. Mm-hmm. Is that you can be at peace knowing that, hey, this body's got you. Mm-hmm. Hey, that this body isn't perfect. We're going to receive you as you are, but we're also going to invite you into our life. And we want you to know that Northern Church is not perfect. And so, so at the door, at the door, your, your first, your, your first visit, this is what we want to say at the door, you know, so so that's good. That's good. It. That's really good. Yeah. Yes. So the second part of this, and it goes now to at the door and bringing up that community and flourishing in this community, and it comes from our one of our distant communities, uh, West Palm, our microchurch. They ask, if you have true, good Christian community, how do you maintain it, or what are the steps to maintain this community, this biblical community? What's the steps? What's the steps, or how do you just maintain? Because it, you know, and you, you, we find this: we welcome somebody, or you mm-hmm. find this community, and it's great at the beginning, but mm-hmm. then when you get into the messiness, mm-hmm. things change. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it's the newness. Okay, the newness wears off. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we talked about this, what it was a couple of weeks ago. You're not a new pastor anymore. The no, shininess that, is that, worn that, off. Yeah, the, the shininess has definitely worn off. The, new, the new car smell is no longer there. It's gone. So, it, yeah, it is gone. <laughs> it's gone. So going back to how do how do we maintain that? How, do, how does a community— yeah. yeah, once you find it. Yeah, how do we maintain it? Well, I mean, the the answer that comes to my mind is that you you have to fight for it. Yeah, that's good. Like you have to fight for it. Yeah. And the when, when I think about fighting for it, uh, two particular movies come to – well, actually three particular movies. Now they're all boxing movies. Oh. It's, it's something about how these boxing movies are just really good movies. But obviously Rocky. And I'll you think about – what's that? What was, I've never seen that one. What's that one about? The, the, you know, the, there's a hundred of there's a hundred Rocky movies. <laughs> is that a new movie? Yeah, definitely, definitely a new movie. Um, I think it's what is it? Rock? What was it? Rocky Four? Well, all of them though. But you know, but the Russian uh, yes, Ivan Drago. Yeah, yeah. that was Rock, Rocky. Okay, so so Rocky. Then you have Cinderella Man. Oh yeah. Okay, oh, so yeah. James J. Braddock. And he's and he's going the entire round with uh, Max. I forget his last name, but then I just recently watched the George Foreman movie. It's on. Uh, it's actually on Netflix. And I didn't know this about George Foreman. Did you know? Well, you probably knew this about George Foreman because you. you I mean, right? Followed. And, and yeah. it's not because you're black either. And so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but you're older. I mean, so oh, I didn't. I didn't oh, know this. Oh, so, I'll take. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, is so, better? Yeah, but But well, because I, I didn't want people to like. But um, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know this about George Foreman because I, you know, I knew he was older. You because you know, I, I saw the I saw actually the 
in some sense, the, the the recreation of George Foreman. But, I mean, George Foreman is as old as Muhammad Ali. Yes. He, he fought Muhammad Ali. And, he was and, young and, when Muhammad yeah. Ali was so I, I didn't know. I didn't know that because he had won the belt. And then, um, and, and then he got beat by. I think Muhammad Ali took it from him. Mm-hmm. But he was, but he was slated to win that. But if, but if you notice the fight, and I, I learned all of this, is that Muhammad Ali had the strategy to wear him out because he delivered such a power. He was such a big, I mean, just strong boxer that he would deliver blows. Mm. And so Muhammad Ali basically wore him out mm-hmm. and, you know, took him the distance and then, you know, won. And then um, and then George uh, Foreman finds Jesus, stops fighting. Um, long oh, story short, he uh, becomes basically this community leader oh. leading leading these kids in the community in which he lived. But then the person that was his best, you know, basically his best friend and his basically account manager had embezzled and squandered all of his money. Yeah. And he had lost everything and they were going to and they had to shut down the community center lights. So guess what he turns to? The only thing that he knows he can do is box. And yeah. so when he's now 40, yeah, he's, he gets back into boxing and then wins the belt again at think 45 or 47. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, it was a fascinating I movie. I did okay. not know all of that, so that's why I was like, so. But those three boxing movies, because the whole original point was, <laughs> was how do you maintain community? You got to fight for it. And so, so think about what it took for these boxers to go the distance. They had to discipline themselves. Uh, they they had to be willing to to actually fight. To go the distance, mm-hmm. they, be, they had to be willing to take the blows. Mm-hmm. They, they had to be willing to absorb. See, part of community is willing to absorb other person's hurts, mm-hmm. other person's in some hits, some sense hits. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so so you got this absorption, you got this fight, you got this intentionality, you got this discipline, and you've got to fight for community because community at the core is unified. And that's why I always say there's only one thing that a church should ought to fight for. And they ought to fight for unity. And that. so, so that's where I think about, you know, that whole idea of boxing is that you're going to take blows in community. Mm-hmm. Each other's blows. Mm. You might even have, you might even be, you, you, might, you might even be the one handing the blows. Right. You, you know, but, but, mm. but the community, the community can absorb those things. Um, so. And that's, an, that's what intentionality I would say. too. Yeah. It's, it's being intentional to, you know, as we say. True biblical community, being intentional in in the word and speaking into someone's life and and being able to take that. Yep. Matt, you wanna add anything on that? Yeah, I um I think that's a, a great great uh, part point for us to uh pivot to this next week about Mary's Magnificat. Mm-hmm. Um so that kind of wraps up our, our four questions. There was a there's a lot there, man. Anytime you are um, we we covered a, a whole host of topics uh, through the kind of really dissecting and, and looking at it through the lens of community, and I think the, these conversations really really help to illuminate and ho- hopefully it's in encouraging all of us why why it's so important mm. um, why it's so important for us to be in community, Pastor Josh. I love that you say we should fight for one thing in our church and it should be unity. Um, so when we do find that community, sometimes it can feel fleeting. Yeah. Um, that true biblical p- community, we we have to 
to to fight for it. So yep. Um, so I'd love for us to to move on to Mary's Magnificat. I think for the the rest of this time, Pastor Josh is going to just sing for us. Um, so, <laughs> Mary, did you know? No, is, that's, is, I, that's it. That's all you get. Is that is that we're gonna are we gonna hear that version on Z coming off oh, this holiday season? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> not 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 at all. But but I will say this about her praise, and you know, because it was in the context of community that she belted out in praise. Yeah, and so I was thinking about I was thinking about another Christmas movie, and I think we did do. That Christmas movie in the poll, and that is a Christmas Carol. Okay, yeah. Scrooge. Yeah, you think he ever sang? All he went around saying was "Bah humbug." Yeah, because he wasn't in community. You see, and it might just be if you are a Scrooge, if you are a bah humbug, you might not be in community. Because those who are in community, particularly biblical community, they belt out in praise. Mm. They they can't help but belt out in praise. So I was just thinking about this idea. I was just thinking about you know you, if you're if you're more of a Scrooge, you probably are more isolated. If you more if you are more of this 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 person that regardless of the situation or circumstance that you can praise, mm. you actually might be in community. Mm. So just food for thought. But yeah, Mary's Magnificat is it's a very interesting it's a very interesting passage because it is a song that she sings. And I just want people to constantly remember that's why the memories of the Advent is so important. So so she she might be, you know, in her fifties, sixties mm. at this time that she's telling Luke this, but she remembers the song she sang yeah. when she was twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So I'm 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 sure I mean now was this something that she just sang throughout her life, or is this a song that I mean it just came to her and she had remembered it, hmm. you know, 40, 50 years after the fact. I mean, we don't know, but the fact that she tells Luke and he, you know, and he pins it that this is the song that she sang as basically a teenager, it's, it's magnificent, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's bewildering because hmm. scholars and theologians would say of how robust her theology hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And I would want to just say on a side note that teenagers, I just want to – this is why I want to be such a an encourager and a support for Gen Z and even Generation Alpha coming up the – uh, the, in some sense, the rear from from gener, you know Gen Z yeah. is that God can use you. Amen. Mm. He can use you. You can you can become. Now. He use now. you now. Like you yeah. you know you ain't gotta wait. Yeah. Like you can be you can be a smart theologian right now. Like Mary, she's belting out this stuff, and mm. she put she puts a lot of a lot of the you know I, I say well a lot of Christians today to shame because she knew more about theology than a lot of a lot of Christians know, and they've been a believer for thirty forty years. Like this is a teenage girl belting out this song. So. Um, you know, one of the things that I love to, you know, I love to say about about Mary and her song is that she she definitely was the first one to spread Christmas cheer, and uh, <laughs> and the way the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to what to sing, sing loud, loud for all to hear. Here, here. So think about how loud that she has sung this song for the last two thousand years, 
And how many people, how many people have heard her song that has led to Christmas cheer? So let me just, you know, kind of unpack just real quick, you know, what what I see in the Magnificat, and I'm definitely certain that, you know, there's going to, you know, there, there there's overlap between what Pastor Derwin said and, and what I see also in this passage. But, you know, this, this idea of, of Christmas cheer and, and the Magnificat, it's about God's personal touch. That, that Mary, she talks about how God has looked upon her humble estate, how from all generations, from, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Mm-hmm. It's all about how God has personally touched her, that he's done this. He's looked upon. Mm-hmm. People are now going to call me blessed for what he's done in my life, that he's done great things for me. I see him, that he is El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty is what she says. The, I mean, so she's using another name for God, and then holy is his name, that there's none like the Lord. Mm-hmm. He is above all. Like so, so she's describing the personal nature of God in her song. Like mm. th- th- that's what she that's what she begins with, mm. and then she she talks about how 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 Christmas cheer is all about God's universal invitation. So in verse fifty, she says, "His mercy extend to who those who fear Him from generation to generation." Like those who fear him. Like so she didn't she didn't put a geographical or an ethnic dimension around it. Uh, she she just said it's a universal, just anyone who fears him, that that this invitation is to them. And it's ongoing. Yeah. Generation I mean from generation. generation to generation. So it just doesn't stop with me. Yeah. And then she Ooh. says Christmas cheer is about God turning the world right side up. Mm. So verses 51 through 54, she sings, God has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But who has he lifted up? He has lifted up the humble. So, so, so in some sense, when, when you look at the dimension of, of the world, it's, it's typically the proud that rule. But now what Mary is singing is God's going to, he's going to humble the proud, but he's going to lift up the humble. Mm. And then he has filled the hungry with good things. But what has he done with the rich? He sent them away empty. Mm. Oh, now, now, I mean, that, that's interesting. So what is she talking about? It's, it's how now what God's doing with, with what he has given me and, and this child that is within me is that he has sent the one to turn the world right side up. Mm. He sent the one that's going to humble the proud, that's going to elevate the humble, that, that's going to send the rich away empty, but he's going to fill the hungry, that, that what God is doing in me is actually going to be for the world and that there's going to be this great reversal that happens as a result of now the righteous branch coming up. Mm. And so, so, so there's this, definitely this Christmas cheer where God's turning the world right side up. Yes. And she's saying that. Yes, like, this, this, is, this is a teenage girl. This is where I'm like, this is a teenage girl saying this. I know. <laughs> that, that, that girl knows her Bible. Amen. And then, and then this is my, this is, uh, uh, you'll, you'll like this one. Christmas cheer 
is about God's mission to create a people for himself. And then she says, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Oh, oh, so so she brings in Abraham. She knows a little bit about Abraham. So wait, she talked about Genesis. Well, she went all the way back she, to Genesis. She's your home she went, she went all the way back to Genesis 12. So, so she understood redemptive history, that what God started with Abraham wasn't just about Abraham and wasn't just about his descendants, Israel. Mm. It was about what God wanted to do through Abraham and Israel, so that through you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And that's why I love like what Paul says in Galatians 3, 7. He talks about in the scripture foreseeing that God would justify or save the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all of the nations be blessed. Mary understood that. Mm -hmm. And she concludes her song with this idea that that Christmas, the, the advent of Christ, is about God's mission to create a people for himself, to, to redeem a people for himself mm. that he, he might use that people to reach all peoples. Mm. And that's why she's bringing in Abraham for that. And so that, that's, uh, that's a memory that Mary had and that song is mm. so full of theology. And so what what are the takeaways? So here are just some 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 takeaways that that I have about Mary's Magnificat. Mm. Or you can say four observations, four takeaways. Our song is composed, instructed as a response to who God is and what he has done in our life. Like so she she composes and and constructs this response, this song based upon who God is and what God had done in her life. So here, here's the thing. Uh, I like this one. Uh, you cannot spread what you haven't caught. Yeah. It's like you, ha- you can't spread what you haven't caught. So if you've never really caught Jesus, you'll never spread Jesus. If you've not caught cheer, you'll never spread cheer. And see what, what Mary had, she had caught. She had caught the hope. She had caught the cheer. Mm. Even in the uncertainty. Mm. But it was also in the context of community. Don't don't miss that. Uh, the, the second observation is the maturity of our song isn't predicated on age, but acuity and activity. So the maturity of our song. Listen, uh, it, so just because you've been a believer for 40, 50, 60 years doesn't mean that you're a mature Christian. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, just just because I've gone to church, you know, and I, I got the golden star, just because you attend a church doesn't make you a mature Christian. And so what we see with Mary is that maturity of our song. And again, and this song is being sung from her life, but her song is reflecting her life, hmm. her faith demonstrated. And so the maturity of our song isn't predicated on age, but acuity and activity. One author expressed you know, how critics have howled that the song could not have been sung by young Mary because it is too theological, too packed with Old Testament illusions, too carefully structured, too poetic, too subtle, and too finished. 
<laughs> so, um, but but here but here is a young girl hmm. that that you don't have to be well advanced in years to have a well advanced faith. Amen. Number three, our, our song from our life and lips isn't solely for our personal enjoyment or expression, but for the mag- magnification and and the mission of God. So so in some sense, the songs that 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 we sing about the Lord. They're not just for our personal enjoyment, but they're for the magnification and the mission of God. Mm. So they just don't stay. They are not just to stay with us. Mm. And then when we sing a song of Christmas cheer, we join a historic chorus of people who've been spreading Christmas cheer for two thousand years. And so, um, so that that's that's her song. That's her Magnificat of Christmas cheer. Any questions, thoughts, comments? That was awesome. So that was a lot. That's yeah, really a lot. So, um, so, I, so I think that's a that's a great place to leave it. Unless yeah. you had any final thoughts? No, that, that, that's my that, that's my final thought. So, well, Northland family oh, no. and friends. Well, well, we got oh, we got some more. You got some more. Oh, got some housekeeping. Oh, housekeeping. <laughs> All right, I retract that statement. <laughs> or, yeah. That's how we always do it, and you just roll into the closing. There so, you go. Um, so I had to give you a, an extra nod. Okay. Um, so just some housekeeping. This will be um, this will be our final episode of the year. So next week, Christmas week, we will not have an episode. But what we will have the following week on New Year's Day, we're going to have a special episode. Um, so it's going to be great where we where we look back and look forward. So mm. so January first, we'll have an episode, and then January eighth, the following Monday, we will be back at our regular programming so at this point pj take it away awesome well thanks for the housekeeping there matt well northland family and friends we love you you are deeply deeply loved by not only the lord but also uh, your church family and so we we wish you a merry christmas and we will see you soon blessings thanks for listening to extra takes Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.